Hi everyone and welcome to episode 15. We're at Jim Bob Cast. I'm Jim. And I'm Bob. Good evening, Bob Air. How are you, sir? Full of the joys of spring, even though it's definitely the bleak midwinter. <laughs> oh, how is the uh, weather treating you over there, old boy? I am cold. <laughs> oh, you're full of cold, aren't you? You did a COVID test this week, didn't you not? I had a COVID test yesterday, so I. it was interesting. Those that have had COVID tests out there, God dear me. So the experience itself was fan- fantastic. Well, not fantastic. I was a drive-through test. I was in my car when I booked it. I pulled over to the side for all of you legal eagles out there. Booked it on my phone, drove straight to the test centre, drove straight into the test centre. They scanned my phone, unwound my window or electric window, pulled it down. Person come out in full PPE, which was good to see. Shoved the cotton bud to the back of my throat, give it a little twizzle. Then shoved it to the back of my head and basically scraped the remains of what's my brains there. And then uh, off I went. And I had a, text an hour, had a text about an hour and a half ago to tell me uh, that... Whilst I didn't have COVID, I should go and see another doctor. No, I'm joking. But no, I tested <laughs> negative. So it was just a little bit of a, a little bit of sniffle and a cough. But you got good news. Good news very indeed. Good news. And whilst we're on um, your health, we will do a little bit of housekeeping. Our um, our beloved captain Pierre Emerick Aubameyang, obviously this week missing two games due to personal family reasons, and everybody who was probably following the club and the media around it, were just making stories up. I mean, I feel sorry for him, to be honest. His wife's cheated on him. He's cheated on his wife. They're getting divorced. But actually, you know, everybody knew fuck all. And it's just about 45 minutes ago, he's now released a a statement on his Instagram handle, just saying thanking everybody for such the lovely messages. And it was his mother's health, which was a significant problem maybe she doesn't reside in the uk then which is why he had to travel he sort of alluded to needing to travel now doctors and nurses have restored her so that she's comfortable and uh, he's very grateful for all the support and, and looks forward to getting back to the club so just from us at jim bob cast we obviously wish mrs abamyang very very well and I'm, I'm glad to hear that it's maybe not as severe as what we all uh, were concerned about just wish that everyone's on the mend and, you know, get well soon. And, you know, to anyone that's poorly out there, I hope you get well soon and best wishes from us all here. You know, it's it's not the best time out there, you know, whether you're Mr. Abamyang, Mrs. Abamyang, or, or anyone there, you know. Well, Frank Lampard, Bob. Yeah, Frank Lampard this week sacked and Tuchel employed uh, with you know, immediate effect. Ruthless from Chelsea, ruthless from Abramovich. They are like this all the time. You know, they have a pretty much a revolving door at Chelsea, even if you include all the success they've had. But they've sustained success for, for periods of time now where other clubs have ebbed and flowed. And I mean, it's a, it's a funny one for me because, you know, we sit and look at it as fans who inject money into our clubs, you know, pay subscriptions to be entertained by them. And they are sports entertainment brands. And I guess in order for them to operate at the top levels, they have to stay at the top levels. So on one hand, you do have to, unfortunately, you have to respect the ruthlessness of the board to say that when we believe that you're below the graph that we set out, which was the standard that you needed to um, conform to, to stay in your post, 
you know, you're underneath that graph and we think you're diminishing. So uh, a name like Tuchel becomes available, who has been widely regarded at, you know, a top level in Europe. And they've struck to see an opportunity. Uh, the, the, the thing is, obviously, all of the, the historical um, Chelsea fans and lovers who have seen Frank Lampard, their top scorer, you know, um, an absolutely goaded career, uh, you know, uh, an infamous career at Chelsea and and goaded as one of the top central midfielders of Premier League history and probably rightfully so. But Frank Lampard, the footballer, and Frank Lampard, the manager, have to be regarded as two very different individuals in well, his employ. Yeah, the only thing that I find quite interesting here, and, you know, if it happened, it wouldn't, as an Arsenal fan, upset me, is that the last time a club moved on a club legend from the manager role and replaced them with a recently sacked PSG manager, it was Unai Emery at Arsenal. So, uh, good luck (laughs) to you, Chelsea. Yeah, yeah. You know, look, we'll see what will happen. The, the fan base in football, the point I'm making is don't like it. But from a business perspective, I, I, you know, I respect it. And if I was a Chelsea fan in this situation, I would be, you know, I'd be looking at the positives from it, not, you know, not sort of Abramovich bashing because he's let go of Frank. Because that means technically Frank could be invisible in his job. You know, mate. win, lose or draw, his job should be safe forever. And that, mate, that it's just can't be the case. You, it's ridiculous. It's a results game out there. Football fans are incredibly fickle. They're more fickle than people on Love Island. <laughs> and it, it's just, if you're winning, your manager and your team are the greatest players ever. If you're losing, you're getting ripped to shreds left, right and centre, whether you're coach, managers or anything. You know, yeah. and as Arsenal fans... Have we been guilty of that of Arteta this year? Yeah, we haven't. You know what? We've been we've been like that all along. Players as well for the team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The margins in football are the size of a Nats dick. That's just football. Uh, you bring up Mikel Arteta. We'll move on to him because I think he's had a very indifferent week. He's had a bit of a Jekyll and Hyde week. So Southampton twice, Bob. Once in the cup, once in the league. You said to me on the phone, you really hoped that after the cup loss... It didn't go full 360 into the league. It did. Let's analyse both games on their individual merits. So we, we get to Saturday. Aubameyang at this point is now released from the squad to return home and, and deal with what we now know is, is is a mother health scare. We've also since found out that Party and Tierney and Smith Rowe weren't fit for Saturday's game as yep. well. Arteta said Correct. that. So that, that takes players from being rested to unable to play, which I think is a, a totally different aspect. Yeah, that does give him a little bit more grace. But then he's also had the opportunity to say that after the event, hasn't he? If they win that game, he might have... <laughs> I don't know whether he's, whether he's covered himself there or not. Because, you know, you say... Party wasn't fit, but he was fit 48 hours later and subsequently played long enough in the game to get through the win against Southampton. And those that seem to be fairly close to him in the media suggesting that he'll be fine to play on Saturday as well. So, yeah, he, um, he, looked, he looked huffing and puffing towards the back end of last night. Mm. But what I would say is the minutes he was on the pitch against Southampton and the minutes he was on the pitch early on. Yesterday, he completely was streets ahead of other players. He's just silk, and he's like velvet. 
He's a serious player. So, but the, the point is, though, is that there were players that were definitely fit who were rested, who've made, you know, you, you've made a complete change to your front three, you know, in, in um, Saka, Lacker, and what was Orber or, um, yeah, so obviously Abamyang's taken himself out of the squad, so it's slightly harsh, but, you know, you've got a completely new front three, you've got no party, which has been an issue, and then you've, you've got changes in your back four. Um, and obviously Leno stayed in goal, Matt Ryan not being quite ready. But Arsenal played like a team that we recognised pre-December, you know, yeah, because definitely. it was in the midfield, there was not an ounce of creativity. William came back into the side, again, looked extremely dogged, wasn't able to pick the ball up from, from the two deep line players and, and create and get in behind. I felt very sorry for Eddie and Ketier. just he's absolutely on breadcrumbs being the second string, number nine. Because Smith Rowe and Saka had so much to that Arsenal team, uh, it's almost like a luxury to be able to play with those two boys. And then when you drop down and you like you see Williams in the pocket, you're like, "Fuck's sake, I'm just not going to get a look in all day." Then on the flip of that, Eddie actually got his chances and didn't actually remotely look like taking one. He had a proper day off at the office. And Ketia, what do you think? I I don't think from. I've seen good parts of Eddie Nketiah this season. I've also seen some indifferent stuff. Um, and what it showed against Southampton on Saturday, he he looked like a small boy playing against men. He didn't bring anything. He's he's not, in my opinion, good enough to lead the line for Arsenal, I'm afraid. I, I saw nothing in him. Um, no strength. When he had chances, he he didn't put them away. Um, it's not the fact he didn't put them away because obviously any strikers allowed to miss a chance. You know, mm. Aubameyang and Lacazette have done it. I mean, Lacazette done it last night. But what they do is when they do get a chance, they go bang and they will score that next one, which Lacazette did do last night. And I just think that yes, he hasn't played since December in Ketia, but no, no, I'm sorry, I I just didn't find him. I, I didn't think he was good enough, and I don't think. I, I don't. I, I really struggle actually. Now I've watched Eddie play quite a lot this season. I really struggle to comprehend in my mind him scoring a goal outside ten yards out. But he hasn't, has he? No, but I, but I also watched the way he plays on the shoulder and the way he tries to get in behind, and I'm just not sure that it's in his game. I know Bamian can do it. Um, we know Lacazette can do it. We know Saka can do it. From last night, we we know now we know Pepe can do it. They, they've um, got a bit more physical presence about them. And yeah, I don't and it's, think it's, it's it's he, he, he is a bit of a fox in the box, isn't he? And I just don't know whether or not we play football to accommodate his playing style. We don't. We don't. And and maybe that's a blend of us not plan it as our style and also the way we, we, you know, you've got to remember a month ago or not quite a month ago now, but sort of six weeks ago, we're looking at Arsenal as if they're relegation candidates and we're ripping them yeah. to shreds for no creativity, no goals, you know, losing four on the bounce nearly at home and an absolute tirade of abuse towards a team. Now, all of a sudden with the introduction of players like Smith Rowe, Saka on the right, they're starting to create more. They're starting to score more. You know, they scored, mm. they scored three goals plus now in in four of the last five games. You know, uh, Newcastle, Southampton, West Bromwich Albion, and Chelsea. It was only Crystal Palace and Brighton 
that they've they've not scored three goals or more, and that's a phenomenal change in Arsenal. Yeah, and if you and, and, and you have to mark that down to Lacazette's form as well, because you know he's obviously been massively he's obviously been massively informed for Arsenal in the turn of their form since Boxing Day with just the goals he's scored, but also the goals he's contributed to, and I can't uh, you know. Taking the goal-scoring part out of it, I would be as far to say that no other person who can play in the nine in the club, even Aubameyang, even has the ability, Lacazette does, back to goal, to be involved in those moves that has brought other goals. You know, we, we mentioned it in previous pods about the way Smith-Rose assisted three of Saka's goals recently. I think Lacazette had been involved in the sort of assist before the assist in all of them as well. He's been involved in the build-up show. But I tell you, that's very interesting you said that. And it, it's quite comparable. If you look at Lacazette versus Nketiah, the same way as I'm going to say, if you look perhaps at Willian versus Smith-Rowe. Okay. Oh, right, okay. Smith-Rowe. It's their movement off mm. the ball that is creating the chances and opportunities for both them and others. Yeah. Lacazette's movement is more intelligent. He's more experienced. He's getting into different positions that are causing problems for opposition, whether he be scoring or not, whether it be assisting or not. And the same with Willian. He's drifting around the pitch like a headless chicken. Whereas if you look at Smith Rowe, he's looking at content. And watching Nketiah, I felt that he was just trying, oh, I'm playing number nine. I have to stay in the number nine position. I'm going to play on the shoulder of this. I'm going to stay here and I'll get a chance when I'll score. But no, that's not how it works now, pal. Now, they're pressing our, our tens and our elevens and our sevens really hard. So they're pushing us back. And they pressed really hard Southampton again. They do. And, and they did again last night. We just had a response for it because the technical aptitude and ability of the players on the pitch from the changes that he had made were that much better. And we'll get on to last night's game afterwards. There's a couple of other points I want to raise, Bob. Cedric had a fine game at right back against Newcastle. Arguably a lot of people probably sort of saying, well, you don't need to pick Bellerin again now. Picks Bellerin. Bellerin again had quite an average game, I thought. And then plays Cedric at left back. And you really, really miss Kieran Tierney, didn't you? Yeah, I mean, this is an interesting point because, you know, both Cedric and Bellerin were, were less than what you would expect from a footballer on Saturday. Both of them were much improved last night. Yeah. So Cedric, he went from having Martinelli in front of him to Saka in front of him at periods of time in that second half. Um, On Saturday, all last night, he's had Pepe. Pepe in front of him. But he's also got sort of Smith Rowe as opposed to Willian. Uh, you can see a trend here, can't you? Yeah. And I think he was he was under more pressure on Saturday. Uh, and he didn't play well at all Saturday. I thought that he he definitely looked like a right-footed player playing left-back. Last night, completely different. Stronger, better in attack. Great ball for the lack of goal. goal yeah, class ball, that. Yeah. And everything that he did was so much better last night. Bellerin the same. I mean, one of my bugbears with Bellerin is he's drifting from a right-back role. He's coming inside all the time. And... I don't like that. You know, people can disagree with me. People can have their opinions. Arteta can. But he is drifting from what I would say is a right back or right wing back's role coming further inside so much more than I would want from a player in that position. And I think, you know, I don't think, but he was better that last night. He hugged the line more. He was he was less trying to come inside last night, especially into the box, playing with Saka at right wing than he was the previous game when Pepe was playing right wing on Saturday. Martinelli played left wing. 
No, right wing, sorry, boy, I was referring to Bellerim. Yeah, Cedric, Cedric looked a totally different player on Tuesday versus Saturday, totally different. Yeah, so Pepe played left wing in front of Cedric last night and Saka played right wing in front of Bellerin last night. And on Saturday, Pepe played right wing in front of Bellerin and Martinelli played left wing in front of Cedric. Yeah, and I think just having those two different players playing those positions gave the the discipline to the fullback to play a better game. And I think that has a great contribution to it. I also think, you know, it's the spine of the team. You know, we could go through and tell exactly why Arsenal played better last night versus how they didn't play as well on Saturday. And those two players were, you know, you can say it was the players' fault. You know, I can't, I don't think Cedric was, I don't think he had a good game, but I don't think you could blame him potentially for having that such of a bad game. No, he wasn't notably there on Saturday. We, again, we were missing completely in the central midfield positions. It shows how much of a difference party makes and how much of a difference Smith Rowe makes. In his, um, we actually did our our first uh, watch along last night because you came in clutch for me with the assist because um, I was having technical issues out here in Dubai. And yes. it was it was actually wow. interesting watching the game along how much ESR adds in the 10 role defensively and tracking and um, and pressing where you, it's a more nonchalant kind of lacklustre attempt at it from William. And that showed again on Saturday because when you lose that, that intensity last night to press them higher up the pitch started to create Southampton to make a few more mistakes whereby Saturday they completely played us off the park with their midfielders. So, you know, it was, you know, I tried to review the individual games, but it's very difficult when you've played them three days apart um, and it's the same side. And that, and they were the telling moments. And, and the other point I wanted to make, I just thought Arteta just made his subs a little bit too late because, you know, he wanted to rest players. I'm adamant about that. And we'll get on to the point, I think you and I both want to talk about, it obviously appears that the league is his priority then and trying to compete for a top four, top six place. But if his changes work and they go on and score, well, then you've committed yourself to 30 minutes injury time. And the players that you were hoping to rest have ended up playing between 70 and 55 minutes anyway. So all of a sudden it becomes a fucking stupid thing to do to rest them in the first instance. Do what you did last night with party, get in through 60 minutes, have the game sewn up and then rest them. You know, party adds so much more as does Smith Rowe in that attacking sense from the first minute than they do ever coming in because teams are settled. Party comes, starts the game, plays, plays a half. You know, we're not one nil down. We could be one nil up. Smith Rowe could have contributed to that. You can then sub them on. Then the pressure's less there on the players that are not in form. You can also shuffle it about. El Nene is probably never going to win you a game, but he can certainly go a long way to preserving a lead for you. Yeah, and he did do that really well, actually, in the last couple of games. But he did that well against Newcastle when he, he came on and did that quite well last night. So I think, yeah. I think you make a really good point. The, the last point from Saturday that bugs me, Bob, is I feel a bit sad for um, Gabriel. You know, he, he's, he's contracted COVID. Arguably, I don't know whether he got disciplinary from the club or not, or whether, or, but it, it's described that he had some maybe broken protocol and had a you know a bigger gathering um, than he should have done around the Christmas period. The COVID's taken it out of him. And then obviously he, he looked the, rusty, didn't he? Yeah, the success of Mary, who's now injured, and then Louise came back well against um, Newcastle. 
he came in for that game against Southampton and he, he didn't so look you... remotely like the player that he had done the first three months of the season. <laughs> so let's look at this from the first three months of the season when we were lauding Gabriel three uh, back-to-back or the three-peat of Player of the Months early in the season. Now, what I think we've gone from is you've got Holding playing in good form. Is he our first choice, do you reckon, at the moment? It's difficult to say that he isn't, isn't it? Because... yeah. Because because he keeps getting picked to play with every other partner. He hasn't been replaced yet. I mean, I, I really wanted to see a Mary-Gabriel partnership, but I thought last night actually was the first time we won a game and the centre-backs had a poor game. I thought both of them were poor last night. But yes, I think Holding is probably on merit secured the right-hand centre-half position, probably because he's one of only two right-footed centre-backs we've got as well. So then you've got Gabriel and Mary both been good this season when they've been playing. Yeah. And you've got Louise that showed promise as well. And I, I think that's a healthy situation to be in currently. Mm-hmm. Agreed. You know, I think it's a totally different aspect and where we've been probably since the days when we had Keown and Sol Campbell and Colo Torre and Big Tone at the back. You know, it's probably the first time I've actually looked around and go, we've got four centre-backs that can all get a game in. Mm. And, and it also could well mean, uh, and I am praying that this happens, that we can uh, get rid of that fuck Mustafi. <laughs> uh, Cancelling his, his contract would be a great moment for me. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. That, uh, yeah, I'm in absolute in, um, agreement with it. But I think his father has come out and said, I think we'll take the money till the end of the season. But you see, no one goes after him, Bob. And this, I still can't not talk about Erdo, even though he is now officially a Fenerbahce player. That, you know, Mustafi's father is shithousing Arsenal in every single transfer window. And he, he seems to go under the radar that he's still nicking 100 grand. And this is going to bring me on to my point about how money bemuses fan bases' mindsets on individuals because Mustafi would just sit there and outright refusing every other offer of employment because he wants his 100 grand a week. And I don't doubt that he's had multiple offers from clubs with acceptable transfer fees, but the salary's at 65, 70K. And, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a 1.5 million pound a year pay cut. And that might just be what, what in his wages he actually gives to his father. You know, you, you don't know all the, with all these things, but I wouldn't be shocked whatsoever if I read that. And his dad just keeps coming out saying, no, 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 we will leave when our contract's up, but we will continue to get our contract and nothing less. And with all due respect to Ozil, he's found a mutual ground where he'll terminate his deal. And if he actually performs for Fenerbahce, which he says he's desperate to play football, Fenerbahce actually pay Arsenal for, for Ozil. Yeah, he's not earning, apparently he's taken a pay cut to not earn any money for the rest of the season. Just to play football? Mm-hmm. You know, because so of come, problems they're in. Yeah. So, uh, but, and, and obviously, hence the reason he's going completely fucking berserk on the social media to raise the profile of the club to probably try and secure commercial deals so the club can give him money. So, so, so let's let's get back to our doubleheader against Southampton. Yeah. Uh, we lost on Saturday to an own goal. Terrible way for cup holders to go out. Dreadful. Uh, it really, really is. I almost went out with a whimper. Last night back, 
with a bang 3-1 victory. Obviously, if players were injured, you can't play them. I would have liked to have seen better substitutions. Maybe I would have played Laka and Saka on Saturday, knowing that you know Aubameyang wasn't in the team. Mm. I, I don't I don't know. Uh, on the whole, though, there was some good performances, some bad performances. Pepe's had a real Jekyll and Hyde over the two games, personally. One of the key things is I think he looks much better when he's playing with Lacazette. Well, I, I don't actually think he was as bad on Saturday as people said. I think he created something like four or five clear-cut chances on Saturday. And again, they just weren't taken. He created a, he created a fine opportunity for Martinelli from a dead ball. Um, yes. And he created a couple of good chances in the second half, like you say, when Lacazette came onto the pitch. But he was praised for his performance by the manager on Saturday and said, he showed me enough that I should continue to use him. And then subsequently, he got his chance on Tuesday. I think people blaming him for the Southampton's goal last night is completely fucking blowing my mind. I mean, like you referred to it at the time, and you probably refer to it now, as it's a complete training ground exercise. James Ward-Prowse is a dead ball expert. But Armstrong's just made phenomenal contact with it. Don't get me wrong, Pepe has taken a step back. If he's doing... Arsenal do mark zonal, so that might have been his job. And then the guy's... The guy scored it on the run and then he hit a shot which at the moment is beating one of the most informed goalkeepers in Europe in my opinion. Leno is that good at the moment and he can't Agreed. stop it. So you just have to fucking respect the fact it was a really well-worked goal. Yeah, the goal it's a well-worked goal. And they, they would have never have had a chance from a corner if fucking Lacazette would have scored 45 seconds earlier. You know, that... Sure. that, that that's the fucking gnat's dick of football margins, as we referred to earlier. So yeah, you, you can't be blaming Pepe for that. It is a training ground goal. If you go back to the 90s when you got Paul Scholes volleying in from the edge of the box after Beckham crossing it yeah. out there, no one said where was the fucking defender. They said, what a goal. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not Paul Scholes, it's not Beckham, but they played that from the training ground into the match. The reason why Pepe was nowhere near him is because that's where he was meant to not be. If yeah. they hadn't have executed that like they're meant to, Pepe would have blocked it. Well, if, Pepe gets tight, if Pepe gets touched tight to that guy, because he's never, he, you can't say that he's that far out of position that he should header the ball because the bloke hits it on the half volley. So the header is 10 yards short of that position. You can't expect him to cover 10 yards. So, you know, if he gets touched tight to that, it could fucking ricochet or go in any direction. So like you said, it's just a, it's just a, you have to just respect the fact that other teams can score good goals against you. And that was one of them. But Talking um, of Pepe, he was, uh, you know, you know, this has got my goat, James. He was booked last night for walking off the pitch slowly. He was booked for walking. he 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 was booked for walking. Because he wasn't substituted. So I am absolutely incensed that that yellow card wasn't rescinded because subsequently Pepe didn't go off, Martinelli didn't come on, and it was a change of substitution, Willian for Smith-Rowe. You know, he's been booked for leaving the pitch and wasting time. When he didn't leave the pitch, he left in the 92nd minute. You know, he could have got a second bookable offence. I'm really annoyed that we didn't see anything in the media today. So I was perplexed by that as well. That really aggravated me to say that the referees association, it was one of those precarious situations. The player was down injured, hence the reason the player was walking off. So you can't tell me that Arsenal, someone in their administration team went right to the FA and just re-describe that situation. Um, They have to. 
you know, because what if if that's maybe his fourth or fifth booking and that's not overturned, what if he hits a really good run of form now and, and triggers the yellow cards at a point where all of a sudden he misses a North London derby or something like that? On another, Very true. On another evening, it, the yellow card that shouldn't have been would mean that he'd be able to play in that game. So it needs, it can't just be forgotten because he didn't end up getting another yellow, thus meaning he got a two yellow red. It still contributes to potentially a tally of yellows that could lead to a suspension. Um, Absolutely. And on that, if I was on, if I was Pepe earning fucking 100,000 euros a week plus, I would say absolutely no fucking way I will go batshit crazy if you try and take the eight quid fine from the FA out of my wage packet for that because I 100% do not deserve to be booked. And I know it's eight quid, but it's the point of relevance that you as a club have not said to the FA, this guy's just made a complete fuck up, rescind it. Well, that's it. And that, that's what we bring to our new feature on at Jim Bob Cast, which is fuck of the week hashtag FOTW and this week's fuck of the week goes to the inaugural the debut Kevin Friend for booking a player whilst walking congratulations Kevin your fuck of the week trophy will be in the post to you obviously it won't be sent till after COVID protocols but you could put that on your mantelpiece as the first ever fuck of the week you fuck indeed so Southampton takes us from to what is actually Arsenal and Arteta's priority this season, James? Well, it absolutely is the Premier League now because of what happened on Tuesday evening. And I've, I've been thinking about this in the last 24 hours and I don't know whether or not I fucking respect the balls to the mast mindset of Arteta. I think I do. You know, he has gone out with a pretty much full-strength side in the league. He's kind of putting his... You know, I've won the FA Cup in my first season. He's pinning season. his colours to the mask, for sure, I've been. Yes. So, we, so we are 20 games in. We're eighth yes. in the league with 30 points. Most teams around us have two to three games in hand, though, which could potentially see us drop to 11th on level games. Yeah. So, Benfica, we've got in Europa League, if that goes ahead. So, is the FA Cup, was the FA Cup our best chance of European football next year? Well, I certainly thought so. And obviously our best chance of Champions League is always going to be winning the Europa League this season because of what we had done in the league to the point to Boxing Day. Obviously our league form now is only bettered by Manchester City, I think, since Boxing Day. But at the same token, you know, a top six finish isn't off the cards. It's a bizarre season. No teams have really done anything in the transfer window. It's the quietest transfer window I can remember in in many, many a time. But he obviously wants to find league form. And the, the, the team that played on Tuesday night last night was significantly more like the team that has played post-boxing you know, post day fixtures, um, which has had such good, um, um, such a good return. So well, It's got 14 goals in the last six games, which when you look at the fact we've... we've I think we've only scored 26 goals this season. So we've scored over half our goals in six out of the 20 games. So that's an unreal return. And then, you know, 3 1, 4, 0, 3 and 3 in our league games. Yes, we played against lesser opposition, but you've got to beat what's in front of you. We said this many a time. You know, the league form has drastically improved. And, and that's. 
You know, you can only say that's a positive for Arsenal. Are they good enough to put in a run to get themselves into the Europa League spots within the league? You know, there's. I mean, West Ham are currently, I think, fourth in the table. Yeah, West Ham yeah. have. Had, I mean, West Ham have had a perfect record this season. Uh, this uh, this uh, this year, they haven't lost. Uh, I believe in. Uh, 2021 so West Ham are in five four, but West Ham are fourth now you have to believe that their form will drop away and then that they drop away then that means there's another space above us so it's tight up the top it really is tight other than who I think Manchester City who I think will now uh, run away with the league now I think they're in fine form I think they'll be pushed by United uh, and Liverpool will come third which is interesting we haven't done a top four for a while maybe we should do one now James you know, and I just think it's one of the most open and weird and interesting leagues, certainly at the top of the table, that I've ever come across. Yeah, it's a, it's a really odd one, Bob. Um, it, it's a really tough one to call. I think whilst we were playing last night, Man City were absolutely disemboweling aside um, West Brom. Um, and they, they all of a sudden look good for their chances of winning the Premier League. Man United have had a phenomenal turn in form since we beat them in October. Absolutely. Um, and this is going to be a really interesting game now because both sides went into that fixture in October out of form. And we sort of, we had a good competitive game, but it, you know, neither, team, neither team coated themselves in glory. Both teams now go into this fixture this coming Saturday in really good form. So it's, you know, it's a really, really, really interesting one. I, I, I don't really know. I, I respect the fact that he's going for it in the league title. I think it's very, very difficult to think that top four is quite in our grasp. I think another five games need to unfold. I think the teams around us that have missed fixtures need to catch up so we kind of see where people are with their you know, retrospective kind of games in hand. One team have a game, like three games in hand on us. So as as Jeffrey Boycott says, you can't judge a wicket until both teams have batted. So we do need to see our games. Although a lot of those games that are in hand, teams are actually playing each other. You know, uh, you've got Leicester City playing Everton uh, tonight. So that's a game in hand both of them have got. They can't both win it. So that will affect the, the league there. So there is a lot of, uh, I mean, you've got, I think Villa are due to play Spurs and they're in and around there. So again, they both can't win it. So you've got a lot of, uh, you know, cross-referenced and cross-team games there. So it will unfold. The, the league will take shape and uh, it will be interesting to see, you know, if you use your uh, 200 metre parlevance as the stagger unfolds and we hit the straight, mm. where is each team? You know, 18 games to go such a long time 54 more points on the cards you know if Arsenal can hit a high ratio there's no reason why they can't finish top four yeah well they won't (laughs) well look I mean Arsenal would need to average I think over two points a game for the remainder of the season for that to be genuinely viable and that's that's a serious ask you know if you look at a team so if you look average, at less to average two points a game, sorry James, to average two points a game in the remaining eighteen, they will have to win twelve out of the eighteen games. Yeah, that's that's a flat average there to do that. That that's quite an achievement. Yeah, and we've won the same amount of games as Liverpool have this season so far. You know, looking at the numbers, you know, but they've yeah. got a game. They've got a game in hand. It's just the fact that we've lost eight, and no other team. 
in the top 11 have lost that amount of games. The, the next and the next biggest losses, Villa, Chelsea and Southampton have all lost six, you know, so there's daylight between us and the others as well. But it's, I mean, it's all about the points you win as opposed to the points you don't win. And I think the fact that yeah. we're still the fact that we're still there snapping at heels, albeit, as I just said, we could drop to 11th on Neville Games, could. You know, it's it's a really weird league and I'm not surprised that anything could go along and happen. No, I, I agree. It's, it is a really weird league. You know, and if we got to, if we averaged two points a game and we got to 66 points, would that see us... Um, where we need to be. Chelsea finished fourth last year with 66 points, in tied third with Man United, who had 66 points the season before. 71 points was fourth the season before that. 75 points was fourth the season before that. 76 points was fourth. Yeah, I mean... It would suggest to you that you're still going to be way short of the mark. You know, and, and City and United could have a double up from here and that would leave them with 82 and 80 respectively, which would obviously be significantly shy on, on those teams that have won the seat, you know, the league in the past. Obviously, Liverpool 99 last season, City 98 and Liverpool 97 the season before that. City scoring 100 points the season before that. So Chelsea winning it with 93 the season before that. And the year Leicester won it, which was a bizarre year where arguably we should have won it. They won the season with for eighty-one points. So it's um, which was the last time, previous to uh, last season, that sixty-six got in the top four as well, fifteen, sixteen. And it is an odd season like that Leicester season. So you know, sixty-six may be in with a chance, but the form that we've had in the last six games, we've won five, drawn one, lost none. That sort of form needs to be not a million miles away from where we need to be. Absolutely. And one of the things, if we're going to be sort of moves us on to our next point that we want to talk about today, James, one of our things that you just said we wanted to do is to average two points per game for the remainder of the season. Yeah. Well, we certainly won't be doing that if, if young William is in the side. He's just... How can I describe him, James? I described him. I described him very well on Twitter. William is the new variant. (laughs) Well, I love it. I think I called him a kipper, gutless and smoked. But uh, yeah, yeah. William's not good enough. No, he his Chelsea career. That's the player that Arsenal thought they were signing, and then he became the new variant, which was the. I just wreak havoc on everybody around me because he's gone from like, you know, 190 minute goal contribution average, which is very acceptable over a long career to, you know. This season for Arsenal, he's contributing in the league uh, a goal every 313 minutes. He's had three assists in 939 minutes. So basically he will contribute to us a goal every three and a half games. And the hardest thing to stomach is obviously two of those assists were in the first 80 minutes. So he's actually had one contribution in the last 810. Yes, that's absolutely correct. It's, it's, and that was a cross against Wolverhampton Wanderers, which Gabriel headed in. Yeah. Which I goes then as an assist, but it's not creative masterpieces. What no, but it was, and it, it also goes down as an open goal in abbreviated commas because it was a short corner play back to him and then he crossed the ball in from about five yards 
you know, infield from the corner flag. But it was, it started as a set piece, didn't it? Um, yeah, I mean, so, so Williams contributing a goal every 313 minutes. If you look at what Arsenal scored this season, 26 goals in 20 games, so 1,800 minutes. Arsenal themselves are looking like score. they score a goal every 69 minutes. That's their flat average for the season. However, when Willian starts, so he, start, he started 12 games this season. Uh, yeah. So in those 12 games, Willian has started, which will include that game against Fulham, first game of the season. So where he gets a positive with that for his goal contributions, that's included in this number. Arsenal averaging a goal every 98 minutes. So we are almost worse off by a goal contribution for a third of a match when William plays. You know, and if you and if you want to look at that, you know, I've looked at stats even more and I've delved in a bit deeper. So if William is on the pitch, we are scoring a goal every 85 minutes. If okay. William is off the pitch, Arsenal are scoring a goal every 57 minutes. Fucking hell. So it's 28 minutes difference. Yeah. Let's, let's have a look at that if we look over a season. So if you base that over a season, and obviously this is us just using numbers and multiplying them, so it's it's not real. You know, based on his goal contributions and everything this season, with Willian on the pitch, if he played every minute of every game, we would expect to score 40 goals a season. If he didn't play, we would expect to score nearly 60 goals. So wow. again, it's it's 33% more goals by not playing that creative midfielder in the team. The effect he has on all shots on target as well, you know, with him in the team, you're looking at, you know, an average of about 10 shots a game. Sorry, not on target, just shots. An average of 10 shots a game. Without him in the team, we've got anything between, we've got around about 14 shots on target, uh, sorry, shots a game, mm. which is ridiculous. The points per game, you know. With Willian starting, we average 1.1 point a game. With Willian not starting, so that's not in the team altogether as a substitute, it's 2.1 a game, so a full point more. In fact, James, our points per game ratio this season, when Willian doesn't start, is 2.125. So there's your two points a game that you were just talking about, which yeah, is that's, which is that's mad. Yeah, it is. And that's really, really, really mad, to be fair. And, and it didn't stop there. If you go back to something we talked about earlier in the season about if you're scoring, the other team can't. Our goal was against with Willian in the team. I absolutely, it's, it's unbelievable. You know, with Willian on the pitch, in his 939 minutes he's played, we have conceded 13 goals. In the 861 minutes we haven't, he hasn't been on the pitch for us. We have conceded seven. So we are have a goal against with Willian on the pitch of a goal every 72 minutes. With Willian not on the pitch, we concede a goal every 123. So let's look at what we score. That is a goal conceded every 85. Uh, sorry, a goal score every 85. We are conceding more goals than we're scoring Willian. We'll have a negative goal difference with him. You know, our thirty. We look at having with Willian in the team, letting in forty-seven goals, and we look at having him with him not in the team, scoring twenty-seven goals. So it's a positive goal difference of thirty-two goals without Willian, or it's a negative goal difference of minus seven with Willian, which is just ridiculous. That really is quite. Uh... It's scary, isn't it? Yeah, it is. But then it's been really noticeable to match those statistics to his performances because people just don't understand what he's trying to achieve. 
you know, I found it funny last night when we scored our third goal because he picks the ball up, kind of going nowhere a little bit, absolutely smokes it at Cedric. I mean, smashes it at him. Somehow Cedric manages to settle the ball in a very, very kind of casual manner and then hits this great cross-field ping and all of a sudden Saka's in, Laka's in, bang. You know, but... I kept trying to bring you back to it, didn't I? I said, rewind, rewind, watch that pass. It's dreadful, you know? Um, the, the, what makes that even worse, that pass, is Cedric's a right-back pan left-back, so it's not even like he was hit against the foot, potentially. That's his natural foot. Yeah, and obviously in a different circumstance, a team like Southampton, who paid the press on the counter, if he can't get that under control, which would almost be totally acceptable, they can counter you on a three-on-three and it's two-all. Yeah, absolutely. You know... I just everything he does on the pitch, you know, he drifts around, he runs around like a, a headless chicken. I he is Arteta is persistent with a player that is simply having a negative influence on the way the team plays, the way the results are. He is negative. The numbers based on twenty games this season, so we're over halfway. The numbers based on twenty games show that Arsenal will give you a much better output with him not on the pitch than when he is on the pitch. So it baffles me. It's beyond belief, beggar's belief, why Arteta is still going to persist with him. It really does. I mean, the thing is, is that in my opinion, if Odegaard needed to come in, and we obviously get on to him shortly, and now it's official, and, and they were still a player short, it just makes sense to me that he that they would consider deregistering Willian. Because I'm, I'm, all of the numbers, you know, Arsenal under Wenger obviously were a heavy analysis and stats-driven club. Arteta has said that's one of the traits that he's picked up massively from working under Wenger, and, and Guardiola is a Wenger fan as well. So I'm, I must imagine that these football managers now are inebriated with data. There's no way that someone must not say to them, X, Y, and Z, player on the pitch, player off the pitch. You know, you're right, James. You're absolutely right. You know, and by contrast, you know, another player that fans are slating, and I, I don't don't get me wrong, I, I think some of Nicola Pepe's performances have been less than perfect, but he's contributing a goal every 189 minutes. Yeah. In in a very, you know, in a much smaller sample size of minutes, he's only played, including up to last night, 569 minutes. Uh, obviously, these are just based on a match being 90 minutes. It doesn't include any injury time. So that's uh, that's roughly 43 minutes a game. He's actually scored three goals. You know, that gives him a goal contribution every 190, 18966, if you will. That's a much better output from a player that we are saying is a 72 million pound flop. You know, it, it's not a bad output. That. That's, you know, that's a goal every two games from a player that's not getting minutes to bed himself in the squad. You know, it might be true to say that if you do look at Pepe's minutes, he did get that reckless sending off and potentially that could have upped his minutes per game ratio at that point in time because that was obviously prior to Saka being fit. But yeah, his output is 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 better than that of, you know, that of Willie Ann's, you know. Also quite interesting to say that in the early parts of the season, both Willie and Pepe sort of did the they sort of changed of the guard. They were very much used as alternates, you know. So 
if you look at the first game of the season, Pepe came on in 75 minutes, the same time as William went off. They actually have the same substitution. The same in the West Ham game. William goes off on 64 minutes. Pepe comes on. You know, so on and so forth. You know, in fact, the first three games of the season, that was the case. And that, that trend then carries on later on in the season as well. And when Pepe's gone off, Willian's come on for him. So it's, I would say both players are not delivering what they should do. But it does now seem that with the emergence of Emile Smith-Rowe, the brilliance that is of Bakari Saka, and now what we've, what we've got with Lacazette playing in a better number nine, you know, having Pepe as a bit part player, as a, well, it's a 72 million bit part player, don't get me wrong, but having him there, you know, he looked good last night. You know, he looked good last night in what he played and he looks leagues ahead of Willian. You know, for me, the time's come for Willian. I'd still like to see Pepe have a chance. I really would. I thought Pepe showed a lot last night in his game. I thought he defended quite well. He worked well with Cedric. And 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 Xhaka was pivotal to what we've been saying about Pepe in previous weeks. He wants to play on the shoulder and needs the ball in behind quickly. He has played a lot of games also with the team that had been sort of constructed around William at the start of the season. And it was slow ball, slow, slow, slow. And we saw in all the reels and all the highlights of Pepe at Lille that they moved the ball incredibly quickly through the lines and through the transition, which is when he was so destructive in the French League. So last night was the first time I've seen him get the ball through the channel and cut a defence open I can't. And, and honestly, I cannot. I cannot remember when he's received a pass like that, Arsenal, for for however long. He has actually self-made a great deal of his own chances. You know, the goal at Sheffield United was a self-made goal, it was a forty-yard run, and I think the other goal he scored this season was a penalty. So you know that goal, uh, the Sheffield United goal, Bellerin actually gets accredited with an assist for that. Right. Okay. Yeah. But then last night, Xhaka, who had a rich reign of form, you didn't hear him mentioned too much on Saturday because he was neither here nor there. But last night, again, with party, gets to get in the pocket a lot more and distribute the ball well and played a couple of exquisite passes last night. And the one to Pepe was a fine pass. And Pepe showed a lot about his game last night that Arsenal fans haven't seen of him yet. Gets into a great position is incredibly strong because the defender's all over him and very clinical from the left side. And we've naturally known him as a inside forward from the right side. So he's shown the diversity of his, of his ability as well. I think one of the interesting things about Nicola Pepe, well, if you look at his form in the Europa League this year, and even that form just after he got sent off against Leeds, his then form in the Europa League this year, his form has been very good in that competition and you cannot ignore that whereas if you look at Willian his form other than the first 80 minutes at Fulham has been poor if you want to slate them in the same breath I think you need to then be able to compare them and there is no comparison for me between them you know I I don't disagree with fans and in fact you know after parts of the game on Saturday I was in agreement with with many a fan you know they were possibly lesser players for us on the pitch but Pepe is nowhere near the abysmalness of Willian and I'll still say this now I think the boy deserves a chance Hmm. I think he needs a run of games depending on what the occurrence is with Mrs. Aubameyang, 
I would certainly like to see him start on Saturday against United in that left wing role. I think that's fine for me. Uh, and if he's got someone like Tierney playing alongside him, then he's back and fit. Then that would please me even more because I think he would be even better than potentially what he was last night. Yeah, I, I, he's he shows a lot of ability. I think, but you know, uh, but, uh, yeah, people it, it, people then, will like label him with this seventy-two million pound price tag. And it's interesting we discussed this last night. That I mean, you said it to me that apparently the chairman of Lille came out and said that. Uh, the reason why it was 72 million. I mean, you know the story better than I, James. Maybe you should say it. <laughs> the story was that they believed that the the price tag as to why they accepted the Arsenal deal was because Pepe had an agreed price with Arsenal, which was less than the 72 million that was touted. However, Arsenal had asked to pay for the transfer over five years, which is why they didn't do the Zaha deal. They they regarded both players fulfilling a gap in the front three, which was a, that of a pacey goal-scoring winger. And they opted to do the Pepe deal because they were able to pay the money, which in, in essence was a transfer fee plus an interest coupon, which is which now people now believe it to be an inflated transfer fee. I actually think Arsenal agreed to pay about 62 or 63 million for Pepe, and there's about nine million pounds of interest over the course of the 60 months that they're allowed to pay the transfer fee back in full. If for whatever reason they come into money, then they can pay the fee down earlier, thus bringing the transfer fee actually down from that that was obviously touted in the media at the time of when he was signing. So, you know, actually in the grand scheme of things, Pepe at 63 million and Zaha at 80 is two different circumstances. The fact that people think that Arsenal have paid 72 and Zaha was only 80, and people were saying, fuck's sake, for 8 million quid, why haven't you done the Zaha deal? You know, but... It's not the case of eight million quid. That seven, that eighty million quid needs to be paid down within three windows. You get eighteen months under English FA regulations from a Premier League club to another Premier League club. So you'd have to part with something like twenty-five million per window to have the Zaha deal paid off. Where I think actually at the moment they're paying something like eight million a window for five years. Yeah, it's a totally different deal. Uh, and that's interesting. What do you think his current resale value might be? Nicholas Pepe. Yeah, what would you sell him for? 50 million euros. Yeah, I think I think you'd probably do well to get that at the moment, just because of the market. But, but yeah. yeah. I, I don't think he is, you know, he's still young. People, I think people think he's older than he is. He's 24. So he hasn't quite hit his peak. I still think there's a lot of footballer in him. He's got 25 goal contributions in a season and a half at Arsenal in all competitions, which isn't dreadful. So, yeah, you know, I I think there's just a lot more to come from him. He's played for three managers now already in his year and a half. But the time is there now for him to make the Saka-esque step up and the team are in the right kind of form now. For him to do so, last night was, I think actually Saturday as well in the second half when the right changes were made, he upped his game notably. And then I thought he and I thought he was good last night as well. So um, that's, that's a good point. I think it's very harsh to blame one player's to sort of label a player a seventy-two million pound flop 
when the player has came into the side, possibly in the last 80, 90 years, the worst run of form and the worst performances the club has ever had. You know, under Emery, Jumberg and Arteta, the last two years, the last, well, nearly two and a half years now, Arsenal have not been playing great football. They've been playing some quite mediocre football. He, he had, in his first season at Arsenal, which was not a season really that anyone attached to the football club wants to hold themselves um, or hang themselves in glory, he, he had a goal contribution every 153 minutes in his first season at Arsenal. You've got to remember, that's also that COVID-interrupted season. So yeah. what, what would have a consistent run of form and a consistent run of games the back end of last season done? People forget how well he played in the FA Cup final. And semi-final. Yeah, he was superb in both games. But let's not, let's not slate that boy just yet. No, I think I, I think he's got a little bit more credit in the bank. And I think the fact that people are putting him in a bucket with Willian is out of line. You know, he still managed to keep his numbers where they are. You've still got to get through every... If you want to win a cup competition, you have to win every game. He has been integral in the team that has played in the Europa League to this point. You can only beat what's in front of you. You know, he's got six goal contributions in six games in the Europa League. That form and that team needed to get involved in the Premier League side. A lot of the players that were playing and finding form in that team are now playing in the first team. Smith Rowe and Lacazette obviously went back there, Saka notably. So, you know, it's now time for him to now get on a run with those players. I think Party makes a massive difference to Pepe's game because one, he unlocks Xhaka, who's a good distributor when he gets time on the ball. And secondly, distributor. And secondly, Partey himself is a phenomenal distributor of the ball and he gets it out of his feet quickly. And Pepe thrives on quick ball. Yeah, and teams do play deep, but if you've got teams that can distribute the ball quickly from deep positions, now like Partey, Xhaka, Cedric even can, you know, he can get in behind and that's where he will be clinical. Yes, and he could be even better because obviously the big news today... Moving on to our transfer window, is the loan signing of Martin Odegaard, I believe it's pronounced. But you can call me Martin Odegaard. Yeah. That's right. James, now you've been quite vocal about this, uh, <laughs> I would say, to say the least. So yeah. I'm actually not too upset about this deal. I think at this stage in time, I think this could potentially be a very good deal for Arsenal Football Club. Salary-wise, he fits nicely into uh, financial deals here. I think he could be be quite a good player. You know, yes, his numbers aren't great. You know, we've just slated Willian for having poor numbers. But at the same time, we've also sort of given Pepe slightly more favourable circumstances because he's got like reasonable numbers. It's about this player. This player, I think Odegaard or Odegaard will add something to Arsenal Football Club this season. And I think the fact he's in contention to start pretty much ASAP is another good thing. I was worried when I saw about quarantines and match fitnesses and things like that. We could have another Kallstrom on our hands, but I don't think that's the case. Right. Okay. Fine lines again. Yeah. My point on Erdogan, he has played less than 500 minutes of football in this season, which is is nothing. So he, he just cannot be entirely match sharp. Statistically, you are marked on your merit as a player in the final third 
based on how you contribute to games. And he has had one good season in five and a half so far as a professional in a top flight division, which is no disrespect to the Eredivisie, where he's got some really, really resounding numbers. It's the fan base more so than Arsenal that have annoyed me with this signing. People think that we're signing an elite, elite player and he is not, he's in the similar age bracket to Saka and Smith Rowe, both of them actually younger than him and has got no form in comparison to what those two have done in a top flight league, you know, and people are talking about him like we've got an absolute steal. They should give him the number 10. I only hope that we can buy him in the summer. He's not fucking kicked the ball yet. That's a very interesting thing. So we've, we're getting, <coughs> excuse me, we're getting very excited over a loan signing from Real Madrid. Our loan signing from Real Madrid is a young Norwegian that's played not very many minutes, whereas that lot down the road managed to achieve a loan signing of a player that's won, what, three, four Champions League titles? You know, yeah. goals galore in Gareth Bale. The yeah, monetary situation by the, by the is way, totally Bob. different and has got a history with the club he's returning to, which is exemplary as well, you know. So, and, Well, well Erdogan did have a trial. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, Bale did his little bit of media and came back to the club and has been told by Mourinho, if you're not good enough, you won't play, even though we've parted with the money for you. And, and that was that. And our fan base is going batshit crazy about a guy who probably cleaned Bale's boots for a couple of seasons. Well, James, I'm firmly putting myself in the camp of the batshit crazy fans I am. I'm really excited about the process. You get a hard on for new. Look, I, I try and look at things just a little bit more rounded from a business perspective. He has got 150 days at the football club. That is not long for anyone. Historically, uh, the best contribution of, of a player, bar Aubameyang, because he comes in absolutely fully in the nine role, that I have seen from a player that can play in the front four, that's not the number nine, in a half season, is Arshavin. Arshavin had something like 10 or 12 goal contributions in his first half of the season, almost in that season. I think it was 09-10. Single-handedly almost got Arsenal top four football that year. We were sixth, I think, when he signed. That is the way that this sort of deal is being touted, that this kid's got to do something on par with that. You know, I know people are saying we're not paying him a lot of money, but in retrospect of what we are paying for him, we are paying about €140,000 per match for him. Which is quite a fucking chunk of change when you when you look at it in that regard. I, I, I certainly would really like 140,000 euros per Arsenal game. Yeah. So, look, if I had the chance to spend a bit of money in this window, I would have liked to have gone for like a Julian Draxler. I think he would have. I think he you could have achieved um, a purchase option on him from PSG. He's got a completely proven track record. He can play right and left. He's quite two-footed. He's very mobile. He's got experience at the top three leagues and, and, and an extensive international record. Hold, He's 27 hold, years old. Hold know? thy beans, James. Hold thy beans. Obviously, there's been a lot coming out in recent days about potential swap him for Gwendozi. I mean, that 
You know, if all of a sudden... I don't, go, think, I don't think we can... I don't think they can do that deal now, Bob, because Erdegaard has somehow got himself registered in the Arsenal squad. He will be an overseas player. You know, you look at the players that we've moved on so far... Surely, the surely we can fuck off the fuck. Yeah, but I don't know how. You've got to terminate his contract then. It's just another cost. Saliba was unregistered. Secretis was unregistered. Urza was unregistered. You know, and then on top of that... Willian? Um, yeah, well, then you'd have to unregister Willian and pay him fucking £150,000 a week to thumb himself. So Look, he's doing that at the moment and we, he's on the pitch making our, making our time worse. So if he's going to thumb himself and earn the same amount of money on not being on the pitch, I'm all for that. Get the players yeah. on the pitch that are going to play well, going to make Arsenal play better, win games, because that's what puts a smile on every single fan's face. Is well, this Arsenal is the ruthlessness that we spoke about Chelsea earlier, you know? That is how ruthless a football club should be. It's big club mentality. Big club mentality is to bring players in that do the job. Forget sentiment and any shit like that and do it. So if they're going to want Grinduzi and they're going to do a swap for Draxler and it means we have to deregister somebody halfway down the line and, and but, you know, Mustafi's earning an underground a week and, and he's earning an underground a week and he ain't playing, you know? And when he no, does play, there's, there's, he's there's shit. Five, there's five players ahead of him. You're right. So look, Kalasanak has left. Matt Ryan, I think, has taken his place. Or, or the club haven't um, registered Renison, which is how um, Erdegaard has taken Kalasnatch's place. That's a definite possibility. So that means at the moment you're neutral. Someone has to leave before someone else can join. Or, or like you say, you deregister another player. But coming back to the Erdegaard point, he doesn't play for Real Madrid for no reason. Do you know why I'm probably negative about Erdegaard, Bob? It's because we've had Danny Ceballos for two seasons and I think he has been very below par. So okay. I've, got, I've just yes. got previous with a young superstar coming out of Real Madrid because when we signed Ceballos, it was Real Madrid, it was going to be one of the next big things, just couldn't get in ahead of Modric and Cruz, which is fucking fair because they're two of the finest centre midfielders in world football. Um, and, you know, and he had a phenomenal career with the Spain under-21 team in the 2018 Cup. So, um, as did Francis Jeffers for England. So, well, there you go. Dance, so dance that time. Yeah, so we thought we thought we were getting our hands on a really good up and coming player. I think he has been absolutely bang average at Arsenal. His Arsenal career over eighty games to me is worth about four out of ten. And we are signing another player around the same age who's probably had the same kind of um, deployment at Real Madrid in regards to being a bit part fringe player, been loaned out to other clubs and has got the same kind of touted valuation. He just plays in a 10 instead of in an 8. So that's why, I'm, I'm, that's why, unfortunately, it's sour grapes for me. Because I just don't understand. Real Madrid are not having a great season. I just don't see them moving an asset on for two and a half million euros because they don't need the money, because they're federation-backed. So I don't know why, if they thought this guy could add something and make a go and make a charge at the um, league title again, for two and a half million euros, they wouldn't let him leave. Okay. So I'm I'm sorry it's negative to all the listeners and stuff like that. But for two and a half million euros, Arsenal, who run themselves so strictly and annoyingly because a fucking prick of an owner doesn't like open his checkbook up and just properly invest in the team, which is what he desperately needs, two and a half million euros to plug a bucket for six months is perfect for Arsenal. So I just think the deal works financially more so than it does actually for the you know from for the risk, team in regards it's, to productive it's, it's, risk, it's certainly risk free financially. Yeah. I'll tell you another good deal. 
And I think this was a great signing. Uh, it's the signing of Matt Ryan. Yeah, I, I reviewed that off the bat and was like quite unimpressed by it. But then I actually thought about it. I apologise to um, Walid Arsenal, who's a, who's a really good tweeter, actually. One Walid, one um, for anyone who's on the Twitter arty. And he made a lot of valid points. Now, Matt Ryan's got like over 120 Premier League appearances. He's an Arsenal fan as a kid. Like that, that, that deal makes loads of sense. That's a smart bit of business. Yeah, because because um, Runnison wasn't coming in with them, wasn't cutting the mustard, and to sign a keeper that I think I think is a really good keeper. He, he's been promising. But whenever I've seen him play, didn't he play for Anderlecht? I believe that's where he started off, and then he came across to uh, this country. Yeah, I think you're right. So you know he's got he's got ability, no doubt. And when you're playing goal for Brighton, with the utmost respect, you're used to being busy. So, and, and he would and he's played with a reasonable defence in front of him. So if he can do a bit of um, Agent Ryan, get someone like Lewis Dunk. I'd love to. I'd, I've always liked Lewis Dunk. Uh, or, or who's the other guy at Bryson that we like? Is it Basuma? Basuma like, midfield. Yeah, yeah, they like him, don't they? So look, all in all, it's too. Clever signings, Bob, but with the utmost respect, not two very flattering ones. But, you know, smart business with what they can do. But with that window, two loan signings, no investment, I, you know, the expectation for 120-plus million spend in the summer, I don't give a fuck about COVID, X, Y, and Z, is absolutely there because wealthy people aren't affected by declining markets because they're wealthy enough to win in markets that, you know, with all due respect, fluctuating markets after, you know, world pandemics mean that normally the rich get richer. So buy the buy the way out of it. Yeah. So transfer window is going to slam shut in the next few days. Left back issue. I'm still concerned about. Talk about Bertrand. Talk about this guy in France. Uh, I don't know. I don't think we'll get another player of the line. What do you think? The last seven days are always the most busiest in in um, transfer windows. It'd be very interesting to see what happens between Saturday and when does the window close? Actually, on the first. I really don't know, James. Uh, I think it is the first, but we'll we'll find out. I'll, we'll, I'll find out for you, old boy. Yeah. So then we we'll be recording on Monday. I, I'm led to believe there's a very good chance we have a special guest on Monday evening, but more will be revealed on our Twitter page at Jim Bobcast. Um, joining us on Monday for the United review and the review of the window. Um, Talking of United, let's give that a preview then. So. Serious doubt on Tierney. I yeah. don't think Abamyang's going to be in the squad. There's obviously doubts on Smith Rowe. And I don't think Party's got the full 90 in him, potentially. So there's, there's your other ones there. Otherwise, lineup wise, Leno in goal, Bellerin. I think, I think, I think Tierney will play. It, it would make sense if he's being rested in those two games to risk him in that game. It's an important game. Or do you think Man United, their fortunes have really turned round. They're in fine form. Pogba and Fernandez are on fire. Do you think, well, you know, we could get beat with him in the team. Let's not play him and play him in a game where we could win with him. I don't know. No, I, I, said, I, I don't. I don't think that. I think that if Arteta is focusing on the league, they are a team that he has to take points out of if he wants to finish in the top half of the league. So if Tierney is in any which way fit... And he needs to play. So yeah, we've got Wolves, um, we've got Wolves uh, on the second of February, which is the Tuesday. Yeah, 
you know, and then but then you could rotate then and play Cedric at left back against Wolves. Then, then think- you got Villa on the sixth. Then because obviously our indiscretions in the FA Cup, we've then got an eight day gap between Villa and Leeds, which is probably going to do us a favour here. So yeah, so okay then, I'll give you my lineup with Tierney. Yeah. So I'm going to go Cedric, Holding, Gabriel, Tierney, Party, Xhaka, Erdegaard, Saka. Lacquer, Pepe. Okay. Yeah, mine will be Leno, Cedric, Holding, Louise, Tierney, Xhaka, Party, Smith, Rowe, Saka, Lacquer, Pepe. I, I've, I've not picked Smith Rowe because I'm not, not sure on his fitness. If no, Smith you Rowe's haven't. Fit- it's because Erdogan knew and you want to fucking... No, 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 no. Him. No, it's not. It's because he's doubt on his fitness. Otherwise, <laughs> I am going to start Smith Rowe and bring him <laughs> You so want to see the new boy rock it up against the Red Devils. It's all good. Rock, Bob, what's the score going to be in your mind? Shit me. Uh, I'll say as far as this, I think first goal wins. Uh, so first goal wins. Arsenal score first. Arsenal will win 2-1. Manchester United score first. They will win 3-1. So first goal. So it's even going to be 2-1 Arsenal, 3-1 United. First goal wins. That's Who my... will score Arsenal's goal? I think Arsenal's goal it's, it's it's that sort of game where I, I can see I can see Lacazette nicking a goal here maybe maybe a penalty you never know I think Bruno Fernandes will score a penalty <laughs> yeah and especially if your mate Louise is playing unfortunately yeah but he, he does well against the Manchester clubs uh, look he had some rusty moments last night he had a fine game against Newcastle uh, yeah, and, and it was it was just last night he had a poor game, but we won. So, but but Again, I was more concerned against about, different I was, I was centre more forwards concerned about Gabriel's game. I, I was more concerned about Gabriel's game, to be honest, against um, against Southampton Saturday. He he looked really rusty, as you said earlier. So, um, yeah, fine lines, but I'm going to stick with Louise. Score? I think Desmond. I think two all. Okay, fair enough. And who do you think is um, going to score for us, our boy? I think he is he is sneakily finding some form and he has scored against them before. So I'm going to stick with the man, Nicola Pepe. Very good. Now, yeah, I think United is going to be a big game for us. It's at home. 5.30 kickoff on Saturday night. It's going to be a tough game. United are in fine form. Pogba and Fernandez, brilliant at the moment. I mean, Fernandez is one of the uh, what a player. His his numbers since signing for Man United are absolutely world world class. Mm-hmm. You know, you know their fortunes have changed. But it's interesting going back to one of the points we made at the top of the cast was about Lampard. You know, they stuck with him. They stuck with Solskjaer at United, and and he's joint top top of the league near enough, challenging this season for a league title. They signed the right players. They're starting to develop. They do still look suspect at the back, though. They do look suspect yeah, at the back. Yeah, exactly. So I think we'll, I think we'll score goals. So we'll see, old Bean. But um, look, you know, look forward to reviewing that one with you. Look forward to watching that game. I, I, I am, I am optimistic. Mikel is starting to move things in the right direction. I just think that United have properly got goals in them, and they've properly got the run of the referees in this league this season whereby I think we really don't. So <laughs> that will be tough. It would be nice to see Erdegaard play some kind of minutes. Uh, congratulations to Kevin Friend again for fuck of the week. 
Yes, well done, mate. <laughs> I, I wonder who next week's fuck of the week's going to be. I don't know. I look forward to it because it's your little uh, <laughs> spin-off from the show, and I bloody enjoy it. So, um, so hashtag fuck of the week. Yeah, well, F O T W. Yeah, let's keep it clean for the uh, for the hashings. But um, all right, old Bean. Well, look, episode fifteen wrapped up. I'm always Jim. You're always Bob, and um, I'll catch you soon. Goodbye from me. See you, chaps. Bye bye.